0: listening to Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica and Heidi. We're a team composed of one black woman and one white woman coming from different backgrounds, but united in friendship. We provide a forum for discussion and action around racial repair, reconstruction, and eventually reconciliation. We are passionate advocates for treating all humanity with love and respect. We contend that hosting conversations gives us an opportunity to develop relationships, and engage with our community to create joint, achievable and long lasting solutions together. We invite everyone to come to the table for these podcast discussions, but note that the expressed opinions and perspectives of our guests are their own. Thanks folks for joining us again with the Bridge the Divide podcast. This is Erica. My lovely friend Heidi is is uh out hanging out doing other better things today instead of hanging out here with me, but that's okay. I do have a guest on the phone. I have um Mr. Aaron Greer. Hey Aaron, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Erica. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Aaron was um, is a filmmaker, and his film was the first in our multicultural film series that we uh, put on, I think it was March, March of this year, thanks to a grant that we got from the Wisconsin Humanities Council. So we had uh, four films in a multicultural film series. Then we had four lecture series with nurturing diversity partners. It was uh, Fran Kaplan and Reggie Jackson. So that was a, a busy time that we had earlier this year. And Aaron, who came up from Chicago to be with us uh, as a, uh, a cultural respondent, talk back telling us how he um, how he decided to make his film and some some good behind the scenes stuff. So Aaron, we wanted to talk to you again and kind of share this with some folks who weren't able to make the film festival. Um, Can you start out just by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, Sure, so I am originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is part of the connection. Um, As you said, I I live in Chicago now. I'm a filmmaker and also a professor of film at Loyola University in Chicago. Um, And uh, but, uh, you know, before getting to Chicago, as I said, grew up to Mo- in Milwaukee, went to Milwaukee Public Schools, uh, and then left uh, Milwaukee for college. So I actually haven't lived in the city as, uh, as an adult, really. I haven't um, been kind of traveling and moving around from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I taught to high school and middle school for a couple years before uh, getting my degree in film um from Temple University in Philadelphia, spent some some time on the East Coast, spent some time in Alabama, and uh, and now I'm back in the Midwest in Chicago, um, doing my thing.
0: Right, right. It's hard to leave the Midwest. I think you know you can head to the coast and play a little bit, but I think people <laughs> kind of come back. Um, I have heard. I want to ask you this real quick. I've heard recently folks talking about the the people that we grow up in Milwaukee. That when they go away to school, it's they kind of don't come back to Milwaukee. Is that kind of mm-hmm. something that you went through when you left, or
1: you know, um, I never felt a strong desire to come back to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. I did feel uh, a strong desire. To tell stories about Milwaukee and mm-hmm. set in Milwaukee, and, and still feel uh, you know that that's important to me personally as a filmmaker to to make stories about places that aren't just on the coast, as you pointed out. Um, but you know, i never felt a strong desire to come back to Milwaukee, other than of course my parents are in Milwaukee, I have mm-hmm. some family and friends still in Milwaukee, so I still have a strong personal drawing connection, uh, and will always have some affinity for Milwaukee, but. I, I, you know, I guess I never really considered that I would live there. My, mm-hmm. whole, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. after after leaving for college, it just it just was it didn't it never really frankly occurred to me, and it really hasn't occurred to me since. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think at this point and now I have kids in I life. It, it's kind of. Uh, larger than mine and fully enmeshed in the city of Chicago. So right. really thinking about going anywhere right. it becomes complicated. It's hard just to leave the house sometimes. <laughs> <as you know. laughs>
0: That's okay. We'll try to find um, some reasons to invite you back and, you know, yeah. <laughs> that well, works. I love
1: to come back and it's just 90 miles, right? It's a quick right. train ride Jump or drive, on the train. Yep. Yeah. yep. I am there frequently for sure.
0: <laughs> so while you were in Milwaukee, was there, what was it that, tickled your fancy about filmmaking did you did they have classes in in your school how did you how did you get no. to that point
1: yeah that's interesting you know i am uh i came pretty late to filmmaking in the sense that i was not one of these kids growing up who thought you know oh, i'm gonna be a filmmaker when i grow up or um i just love film i want to see star wars 85 times or you hey know, now watch whatever. it whatever <laughs> um, no, it's no shade for Star Wars. I did see it four times, but Okay, I'm just saying okay. I wasn't, you know, I think a lot of people have this, um, story that you hear very frequently, you know, it's a kind of the, the Spike Lee origin story or the Quentin Tarantino origin story where they just like love film mm-hmm. uh, and always wanted to be a filmmaker, uh, and, and that wasn't really my path. So I enjoyed uh, film and television I think just like everybody else did no more no less mm-hmm. uh, but it never occurred to me that it was um, something that like real people could do for a living mm-hmm. first of all like I didn't have any kind of uh, personal or family connection to not just film but you know that kind of entertainment um, or, or arts uh, performing arts or fine arts um, at all right so it just never occurred to me like this is something that that people do Like mm-hmm. real people do right. um, And so And You know I just thought This is something It's just about fun It's like You know Just like playing an arcade game Or something like that this, It didn't occur to me That it was something Super meaningful mm-hmm. uh, Really until You know I Kind of midway In Through high school uh, And I I saw I'll tell you what The film that really Did it for me Where I thought Like oh Here's a filmmaker trying to say something and it really moved me and the first time it occurred to me that film could be about something other than just entertainment um or a place to go on a very hot summer day for right, a couple it's hours right uh, was <laughs> when i saw do the right thing uh-huh. the theater. Uh, i think that would have been 89 or 90 So, you know, I was um, not to date myself. I was going to say,
0: I'm not that old. I don't know what you're talking about. I see that a couple times. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Um, So, I mean, this probably seems obvious to you and and everybody listening. But uh, to me, I was like, oh, wait, uh, people... Make films about things that are important To them and Mm -hmm. uh, things that they Want to say and issues they Want to kind of delve into or Problems they want to solve or whatever You know this never occurred to me Um, Or that you know Even entertainment films could be saying Something right Mm -hmm. and so I think that was the first time You know part of it is just about whatever You know being a little bit more mature as a human being Right Uh, but also Just about the kind of films that I was Exposed to with television um, you know, Milwaukee at the time didn't have, like, a big art house scene, uh, you know, so I wasn't, like, I didn't grow up seeing a lot of independent and foreign films and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, you know, this was back when there was, like, one cable channel, and, mm-hmm. you know, so there's no <laughs> Netflix, so you can't, you weren't stumbling a- across something, right? It's not right. so like, oh, what's Francois Truffaut? Like, I mean, I hear all these stories <laughs> like, you know, friends I went to grad school I had this kind of experience. I, that was not mine. Okay. Um. So, my kind of interest was sparked then in high school, but I really didn't consider film seriously and, and in terms of studying it or doing it professionally until, um, frankly, towards the end of college or after college.
0: Huh, okay.
1: Um, so, and I didn't study film, um, in a you know, in a real way in in college. Even uh, I did some theater. Uh, and I did take some classes that, where I studied some film um, and did like one video production class towards the end of college as, as a, uh, you know, as a fun like, you know, elective. Right. Essentially, anything to get uh, but, you
0: through. But, mm-hmm. Right. But that,
1: <laughs> but that, but it all kind of it, you know, there were just a bunch of experiences that coalesced into, uh, oh, maybe I should. This is something I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that and that for me happened relatively late compared to I think the story that a lot of filmmakers tell so um, i'm not exactly grandma moses like it did you know i didn't start <laughs> making films in my 70s but i i, I it comparatively did come, it did come to me late it yeah. did come to me late or you know as a kind of uh, new burgeoning adult like this is something i want to do okay um and so um and yeah it was a combination of it was a combination of doing some theater and saying you know theater is an actor's medium and i respect this as a storytelling medium but it's not for me and i don't want to be an actor um doing some like working in in some newsrooms and saying i kind of like some of the stuff that's happening here but i don't necessarily want to be a journalist and then just getting exposed to some film stuff in the power of film um you know by by studying history and, and being exposed to what people were doing with film through history. So like Latin American film, Mm -hmm. Cuban film was really impactful for me. Um, Well, and and, even,
0: even as you were late in finding it in age, did you find filmmakers or films that uh, with people that looked like you or that grew up like you, or was it still kind of projecting yourself into it, but you didn't really see yourself reflected back?
1: Yeah. Um, So, you know, yeah that that was I again you know I think Spike Lee was my first yeah uh, like you know it, it was like oh I can do something that is different um, and uh, you know and but I didn't see Milwaukee in Brooklyn right I mean mm-hmm. it's a very distinct experience but it just to say like oh you can do this uh, and say something different and, and kind of um, create stories about community that we don't often see. Or didn't at the time on film and television um, And then You know frankly studying like Cuban and Latin American film did mm-hmm, that too mm-hmm. um, Where the films didn't Have all of the the Flash and sizzle And budgets of right. uh, Hollywood right. but were really um, Beautifully crafted And very earnest and Often entertaining But mm-hmm. always you know really Grappling with you know their communities and their reality like particularly cuban film when they're embargoed and like nobody you know they don't have any money and they can't get hollywood equipment and they're not, right. you know what i mean but they're right. like making work this about struggling with their reality and, and and documenting even in fictional sense what's happening uh in their communities and i was like oh yeah
0: <laughs> um
1: <laughs> so so when i set off set off you know, to to study film and make films and, and go to graduate school to do that—that that was definitely what I was thinking. Like, okay, how come it took me until my, you know, mid twenties to be, ex- or you know, early mid twenties to be exposed to anything like that? Mm. And how come I hadn't seen that, um, you know, in a in a concerted way, on my television screens and in my, you know, the at the Capitol Court movie theater or whatever right, in Milwaukee? Right, like, how right. come I wasn't seeing that so um that definitely you know both the lack of what i saw and then seeing examples of of people who you know were doing it that's what motivated me or or you know kind of set um, and set me on the path
0: Uh, oh that makes sense it does it does yeah so we're gonna um run over to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll start talking a little bit about this little film called getting grown So as I mentioned earlier in the show, as a part of our multicultural film series, we watched the the inaugural uh, movie for our series was Getting Grown by Aaron Greer. And it is essentially uh, an 11-year-old boy in Milwaukee kind of just being an 11-year-old boy in Milwaukee. And I think part of what was impactful for me and for some of our other audience members that came to the series was it wasn't boys in the hood it wasn't you know it, it it wasn't some of the other stereotypical movies that we saw that if it had an african-american cast main characters in a city like milwaukee that's uh i don't know whatever the percentage are black that it it was an unexpected movie for me, which I enjoyed because I don't like all the stereotypical movies. So since we have the, uh, the writer director, what else are you? All of your, all of your yeah. other herbs on there. Tell us about getting grown and, and how that started and, and what that meant for you.
1: Sure. Well, as we were talking about, I mean, one of the things that motivated me to uh, go to film school and, and uh, You know, in thinking about the films that I wanted to make post film school, um, it was about kind of, um, you know, telling stories about the community and people that I was close to growing up. Um, And so one particular I saw a a particular film in grad school that was an Iranian film called Where's the Friends Home Um, by Abbas Kirstami. Uh, which is about a kid trying to find his friend's home in a nearby village to return his notebook. Now, that seems really simple, uh, but it was a very powerful film, uh, very uh, powerfully described the the kind of real, with real um, kind of uh, empathy, the drama in this child's life, and also the realities of kind of rural Uh, iranian communities Mm -hmm. and i remember coming out of that film and going you know what how come there i've like never seen a film like that about kids of color in Mm -hmm. in this country just you know i mean i think maybe going back to something like charles burnett's killer of sheep or something like that you just don't see that right Mm -hmm. um so, films that treat children's lives seriously, and then definitely, you know, children of color or set in the inner city. I just hadn't seen it, so I was like, "I'm gonna make." Where's my homies home? That was my, <laughs> uh, like, okay, after I let's saw do that, yeah, I was like, "I'm gonna do that." Um, and so, you know, you know, obviously, it's not the same plot and storyline, like, right? But you know that that was part of my. Um, I guess that was the inciting incident to use a, a film term or a writing term for the the creation of getting grown, and um, it was definitely throughout the the process of making it and constructing the story. Um, I was in conversation, or you could even say argument, um, with the other films uh, and representation that was out there. Right, right. I was trying to. Complicate um, And and as you say Kind of um, maybe Confuse or surprise or whatever mm-hmm. um, You know The story um, And people's People's you know people's expectations I should say So um, Yeah so for example I mean I think you know whenever We see the inner city Depicted uh, with people of color it, it Often the Stories Focused around and I still Still do quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, Around kind of crime and criminality And drugs mm-hmm. and gang banging and all that mm-hmm. And you know my um, Point about that, I mean I you know I think Boys and Hood Is a good film right mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. example Like I was moved by Juice or whatever But it's just <laughs> like that's not The entire you know Black and brown experience right. of inner city Or working class experience right? Um, and so You know I think there are Dram- dramatic stories um that take place in people's lives that don't involve you know selling drugs for right. example or you know shootouts all the time so right um so that was you know that was kind of uh, one of my guiding principles in making getting grown um now as you know uh, and for those people have seen the film know without spoiling it right. for those who haven't um you know the film does kind of allude to or there are moments um that kind of touch on the main characters' lives or affect their lives that, you know, relate to some of those challenges that right. do exist.
0: Right. Uh,
1: but it's not the kind of point and focus of the story. Right. Uh mm-hmm. and of the main characters' lives. And so And I and didn't was I didn't feel deliberate. like that
0: took away from anything. I we were still intrigued and wondering what was gonna happen and, and following right. the relationships, but we didn't feel the um we didn't feel like this was the same family the same situation the same inner city as we'd seen in some of the other films but it was it was very enjoyable and we were you know on the edge of our seats well what's going to happen now what's going to happen now and i like that you didn't make it phony because that would come across too right are you right. really telling me that right. in inner city Milwaukee, that you don't see anything that this is, you know, poppies right. and sunshine and unicorns. And no, that's not that's not our city. But right. um, but but we enjoyed that. You could enjoy it. Many ages of, of the children that we invited to come could still enjoy the movie and and not have, you know, the stereotypical things in there.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, and it, and it's also you know to hear you say that it wasn't you know all kind of poppies and sunshine. Right. Because the other the <laughs> no. other part of my guiding principle <laughs> was to not make a Disney movie because that's the the right. only other movies that you see about American movies that you see about children mm-hmm. are kind of like Disneyfied, mm-hmm. and I did not want that. So, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I felt like we could create and did create a kind of quote unquote happy medium or something that was you know not Disneyfied, but also not you know, gangstified. Right. 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 Um, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was definitely, you know, a part of the goal, uh, of the film and, and really even the way that we made the film, Mm -hmm. you know? So.
0: And it was filmed in Milwaukee, right?
1: And your it it was, it was filmed entirely in Milwaukee. Um, and, uh, you know, I do think, and there are definitely some Milwaukee isms in it, right? (laughs) Which are, which are nice to see. Uh, I haven't, you know, seeing it um at the the bridge to device screening was mm-hmm. was nice for me because it'd been a long time since I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was you know nice to be reminded of some of that. The, you know, the way that Milwaukee itself kind of plays as a character mm-hmm. um, and some unique things about Milwaukee um that show up in the film. But in many ways, I think it probably could be a film that or a story that could be told about um, you know, in almost any city right right and and you know there was a moment in time you know obviously i was coming out of graduate school and my graduate school was in philadelphia okay. where i was thinking about you know setting the story in philadelphia what? and it could very easily be <laughs> You're like what no no I mean, but it could be it could be a north philadelphia story. right I mean, the point is right you know like as, as a child growing up in an in, inner city right um the the you know the questions of like where does childhood end and adulthood start and all those kind of things mm-hmm. are 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 probably some of the challenges and questions are are common right, right? Um, and so some of the things that and so even some of the specific events and things that we see in the film are things that I you know witnessed in Philadelphia as much as in Milwaukee so mm-hmm. um, or St Louis where I went to college or you know I mean any of those. right
0: right. and for those of our listeners who have not seen it or didn't make it to the showing we do here at cedarburg public library have a copy that we uh donated from bridge the divide um so come here and check it out (laughs) and and just kind of it's it really is it was a good movie it wasn't um it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect because I didn't watch it before the uh, the showing. So it was really nice. So we have it here. Feel free to come by and check it out. Is there anywhere else, Aaron, that you can get the film? Because it's on, it's well, on DVD.
1: I, it is on DVD. Um, for the, like, ten people in the country who still have uh, the...
0: Yeah, DVD
1: subscription for Netflix. Right, Netflix DVDs. Um, It is not. It is not streaming on Netflix, but it is apparently streaming in its entirety on youtube uh Ooh. which was not my doing <laughs> oh no, no but it's, it's, you know what no it's it's okay I'm okay just happy for people to be watching it so you're welcome to go to youtube and, and if you search getting grown there you um, go and maybe put aaron greer in there you you know it'll come up right, um, right. <laughs> so yeah that
0: that works um So uh, the other question that I have for you, so you're, you're a filmmaker, you're successful. Um, your film won some awards at at the Milwaukee Film Festival or Chicago Film Festival?
1: Which film is that? The Getting Grown? Getting Grown. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. I mean, played it, uh, all around the country. In fact, several places around the world. Um, and it, it did open the Milwaukee Film Festival way back when, um, played at the american black film festival it played at the tribeca film festival in new york city it it, you know it was it made the rounds it definitely made the rounds and there was a moment i mean i i do feel in you know that there's a lot of value to the film but i think a lot of it has to do too and i'm not saying this out of false humility but when the film came out in 2005 it just wasn't much like that right right i'm still not sure that there still is and so right. i think a lot of the reasons you know and this is way before the kind of oscar so white stuff and you know yeah people making a point of um thinking about programming uh and planning for diversity in their festivals and on their screens um so but people were starting to think about that and i think festivals would go well damn we don't have I'm sorry, I just cussed I <laughs> uh, but they would say, well we we don't have um you know any films with brown people in right. Them. Like, right we don't have any we've never you know I played at every children's film festival, right right We don't have any children's films with brown people in them, you know mm. so um I think there was a little bit of like you know, well, we've got getting grown you right know I mean? that's so, right, that's okay um. So, which is okay, yeah. I'm not, you know, yeah. uh, but I'm saying, I think now, and, and this has been my experience, you know, going back to, with other films to, um, you know, with, with, to, to other, with other films to film festivals, even film festivals that I've played at before, um, you know, it's, there are more quality, independent mm-hmm. black films, independent um, films set in places outside of New York and LA mm-hmm. uh, films uh, for and about children, uh, which is a good thing. So right. I don't know if, if getting grown is the exact film came out in, in 2019 and tried to get into those same film right. festivals. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> just But, to but- be, just to be real. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing in a way. <laughs> I think it's a good thing that, you know, it says that there's, there's been a little bit of, of, of growth and expansion in the kinds of, uh, stories that are, are being told and seen.
0: Yeah. And Mil- and Milwaukee is really throwing their hat in the ring, right? Cause we have, um, um, John Ridley has the, is it no studios that's in Milwaukee? Right. So, right. I, you know, I think that that we're trying to make our presence known and trying to encourage other folks who aren't starting in their mid twenties, like some people, you know, when they're, <laughs> when they're in middle school and high school saying, You can do this and we can screen it on the big screen. Look, we've got no studios. Come learn about it. Come, you know, see some of these shows. So uh, that's good. Okay, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be back shortly. life after getting grown so our friend Aaron you know is a, a big star you're a big star for us right a big star with this um with this film but you're not a full-time filmmaker now you're a professor how did that transition you know you didn't want to, to be Spike Lee forever and ever and ever how did you transition over into teaching and and then what are you teaching your students from this that you've learned
1: Sure. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I would be happy to be Spike Lee. Or whatever, uh-huh. but, uh, I don't know if that was a, uh, an option for me. Uh-huh. I was, I was already teaching when I made it grown. So okay. I, I came out of graduate school teaching. In fact, I was teaching in graduate school and teaching before graduate school. So I always knew that I wanted to teach, okay. uh, as well. And I was also concerned, or rather, I was not interested in uh, exclusively working in the co- kind of commercial film industry. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to it, it, to make a living, right, it, you either got to have some like hit film or television right. show or you got to do a lot of stuff that you might not be interested in doing. Right. Uh, particularly early on as a filmmaker. And so for me, being a professor and, you know, working in academia, um, while it certainly um, takes time away from filmmaking uh, and limits to some degree what I can do, it also gives me the freedom to do a film like Getting Grown, mm-hmm. right, and not be worried about it having to, you know, be a blockbuster, mm-hmm. um, right, and, you know, there are, I think all kinds of decisions that I as a filmmaker would make or would be encouraged or pressured to make uh, that would be about like marketplace things, or somebody's assumption about what would work in the marketplace that I wasn't really interested in doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at the time, and still not. So, um, so that so I was actually I was, I was teaching at the University of Alabama when I made it grown and you know taught there for several years thereafter before moving to Chicago and working at Loyola. Uh, and I still you know making films. I just do it at a, a slower pace. Right. Uh, somebody asked me. Uh, a distributor asked me. I was talking to him about my latest film. Like, basically, how come it's been ten years between these feature-length films? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'd done another of sh- a number of short films and documentaries in between those things. But it's true that I hadn't done another feature-length film after *Getting Grown* until 2015. And uh, you know, um, you know, part of it was just kind of life and other work and whatever (laughs) and 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 part of it was you know uh feeling like there are only certain stories that I'm really interested in in working on Mm -hmm. just to be (laughs) true you know so um and and as I say I'm professing too you know I'm teaching at the same time Right, right so uh so my most recent film uh service to man which is available now on all of the it's not on Netflix, but it's on Amazon and iTunes and Google Play and all okay. those things. It's streaming. It's on Stars right now, I believe, Okay. for those who have the Stars cable network. Um, so I'm still making films just, you know, at a, and teaching at the same time. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. Well, but now you have an opportunity, at least in my eyes as a non-professor, now you have an opportunity to teach... I guess from from the viewpoint of films that have people of color that are making the films that are directing right. the films that are that are acting in them too yes but how do you tell your students about the the need for representation in film um assuming that all of the students that are coming through your class aren't people of color who were saying I have to tell my story so how do you right. how do you get that across to them or do you that's
1: i absolutely do um so some some of it i do uh very kind of overtly uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's even baked into the class that i teach or the way that i teach you know the, the conversations that we have in class mm-hmm. um you know some for example this fall semester I'm teaching a class in african-american cinema so that's like hey you know, that's a good it's, spot it's, to it's put it <laughs> It's literally front and center, right? It is kind of the point of the class. Right. Um, Although we, you know, we begin the class by discussing, like, well, what does it mean? What makes a film a Black film? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, why should we study just Black films Mm -hmm. um, in this case? Or any, you know, or say, you know, Latin American films or whatever, you know, or, you know, French New Wave films. It could be in any, any kind of specific film. So... Um, so th- that's kind of baked into that class, but in my other classes, it just you know, uh, a it's it, the in the examples that I use, right? So that um, I am I make a concerted effort to uh, use clips um, from you know kind of diverse sources, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't just mean you know black films; I just mm-hmm. mean you know I mean? Uh, uh, in in showing examples of anything, right? Mm-hmm just to make the point that and i don't even say this overtly but you know a lot of times people will only like show the black film to talk about like black films or Mm -hmm. they'll show it on february or whatever like that right right like how come you can't show a black film just to talk about cinematography right right why can't you just show why can't you show an lgbtq film to talk about sound design Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how come you can't you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. i'm just so that's kind of the way I do things. It's just like I, I just make sure that even in the examples that I use for things that are unrelated right. to specifically to talking about diversity, I use diverse sources. And then I, you know, ask my students to think long and hard about the stories, their choices around story. And that includes character. and And just to, you know, to ask themselves questions about why they're making the choices that they are Mm -hmm. right so i don't censor what people do but i think you know we should um all strive to be kind of thinking feeling artists Mm -hmm. right Uh, who are kind of aware of our world and our surrounding and our place in it and in the role that film can play you know most i think statistically americans Watch moving pictures of some kind, you know, whether we're talking about a video on Instagram or a television show or a film. Right. On average, something like six hours a day. So it really has an incredible impact on our lives. Uh, so while we're not curing cancer, I do tell students, like, look, you know, you you have the ability to to really, uh, for better or worse, kind of uh, impact people mm-hmm. with the stories that you tell, and the choices you make. So. Even about, you know, teaching a directing class, and we'll, we'll I'll say to them, like, well, what, you know, if we're casting for this role, um, what are we looking for? and What does it mean, you know, if it says 35-year-old white woman, does it have to be 35? Does it have to be white? Does it have to be a woman? And right. What does it mean if you change any of those things? And it doesn't mean it can't be those things, but just, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my approach and obviously i can pull and, and try to from, from my own experience as a filmmaker um and share with them although you know i'm always reticent to do too much of the whole like you know i always hated professors that i had in college were like now we're gonna study from my book that's you know exactly I mean? right seemed, let's show perfection seemed like an, okay an, <laughs> right it seems like an excuse <laughs> to sell more of their textbooks. Um, <laughs> so i don't I don't make everybody go by getting grown or service demand or you know whatever, but um, you know I definitely uh when asked or when it's appropriate will you know bring up my experience um or the way that I have thought through some of these questions myself that I'm asking them to think through mm-hmm.
0: well, as we wrap up here, we like to ask our guests to. Um, speak to our audience. So, you know, yes, we're in the Midwest. We're in the suburbs here north of Milwaukee. Hopefully we'll have some, some folks across the country that are starting to listen to our podcast. But what kind of things would you say to um, a suburban Midwest audience about representation in, in film? What, what can you leave as a, a, a parting thought with us for that, that audience? Well,
1: they say that one of the the best ways to kind of expand your mind and your understanding of the world is to travel and to live and be a part of different communities. And it's not really viable for most of us to, you know, spend our life, say, backpacking around right. Europe or Africa or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but one of the ways that we can travel is through, you know, the stories that we consume, specifically film and television shows, and, uh, I do think the best film and television shows really give us an opportunity to kind of, you know, um, empathize with or see the world from a different perspective, but you have to kind of seek that out just as you would, you know, travel, just as you would seek out a plane ticket, just right. as you would decide where to go. And I think, you know, while I love the the Netflix and Hulu's and Amazons and whatever the world, uh, one of the things that that those algorithms and netflix do is they just keep feeding you what you're already watching yes um and so you have to kind of fight against that and just say you know what um today i'm gonna watch a, you know a film from algeria just because i'm gonna watch a korean soap opera just because right give it a try you you might be surprised right um and it you know in at the very least um you know you can always the nice thing about something like netflix it's very easy to, quote-unquote, walk out of the movie theater, right? You can right. Just say, you know, I, you know, give it 30 minutes and you don't dig it, move along, right. right? But I think people don't even consider it. They just watch the things that Netflix says we think you'll like mm-hmm. and which tends to be the things that they've always watched, which tends to, you know, and this is no shade. It's just what it is. tends to be, you know, seeing ourselves. Right. Uh, and it's powerful to see yourself reflected. So there's there's no judgment in that, but you you, you know. Travel, right. use film to travel and, and to seek those other experiences. And I think um, you'll be surprised. Uh, you know, I, f- I find myself getting addicted to, you know, these these series that come out of other countries and stuff very easily mm-hmm. and, and really kind of falling in love um, with another world and, and under- feeling like I understand something more about myself uh, through that experience. So that's what I would encourage your your audience to do as well.
0: Done. Thank you so very much, Aaron. I'm glad that you were able to join us. We appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was wonderful. I hope I didn't talk too much.
0: No, sir. Not at all. (laughs) Thanks. We'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken Word Artist Propaganda states, we need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor, it's probably toxic to me too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us, info at bridgethedivide.life. Or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community. And on Instagram, it's Bridge the Divide Podcast.